Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. And welcome to episode 85, McChesney Unchained, coming to you from DNVR Bar and Studio down here off of Colfax. Make sure you get your ass down here and support both DNVR, but also all the uh, great teams on the, the Mile High Front Range. Uh, as you know, we move into the remainder of the football season, the Colorado Buffaloes start up on November 7th. Colorado State starts at the end of the of uh, this month, and Air Force has already started it off as they got a one-up in the Commander-in-Chief's Trophy as they whipped Navy's ass last week uh, in those badass uniforms that honored the Tuskegee Airmen uh, from back in the day in World War II. So uh, football is rolling full, full bore here, uh, and obviously we're going to talk a lot about that here on Episode 85, McChesney Unchained, coming to you again from the DNVR Barn Studio down here off of Colfax. Get your butt down here and support. Uh, I want to wrap up the NBA uh, before we move forward. Uh, congratulations to the Lakers. I know it pains Denver fans to say that, but you've got to acknowledge greatness when you see it. Um, LeBron James to be 10 out of the last 11 NBA finals, and he, the only reason he wasn't there last year uh, is probably because he was hurt, honestly. Um, although I would have liked to see that Laker team try and beat that stacked Golden State team in the playoffs. I don't think that would have been done. But still... Uh, ten straight trips when he's on the floor to the finals is something different. Uh, three straight or three titles with three different franchises, four uh, four uh, MVP awards for every year that he's won, and just the consistent greatness of LeBron, not only as a facilitator but as a scorer and a leader uh, in, in, in everything he does on the floor and everything he does off the floor to help his community as well. Although I think some of the NBA stuff with China and <laughs> the way that they do things, uh, I think he should maybe look into that a little bit before he talks about it again. Uh, but other than that, uh, the guy is pretty much aces across the board. So I, I like the the argument of top players ever. And, you know, I, Mount Rushman is only four heads and – I think you'd almost have to do like a big guy Mount Rushmore, and then, and then like a a, a, a score Mount Rushmore. You know, the, the guys that play uh, shooting guard and, and that small forward shooting shooting forward, or however you want to uh, describe that position these days, has kind of changed and flexed. So, I mean, I don't know how you keep LeBron off the Mount Rushmore. If if I was talking about just strictly shooters. Um, I probably have to throw another head up there too, because it would be it's hard for me to to say that Michael Jordan isn't the greatest. He's six for six. I never lost the finals. It's gonna be hard for me to dethrone him. He's you know, I I grew up loving that man and loving those teams. But LeBron is a really, really close second, if not one B. 
Uh, Kobe is right there on everyone's ass at, at number three. And then Magic and Bird are sitting there four and five when you've got Oscar Robinson and Dr. Dre and guys like that afterwards. And then, you know, it's just when the Lakers are good, basketball's better because everyone hates them. And next year, the Western Conference is going to be insane. There's so much talent. So I'm very interested to see what happens there, and I'll be watching next year, and hopefully they get 82 in and everybody's in front of fans. Um, I think the Nuggets definitely would have gotten one or two more games for the Lakers if they could have played at home. I do think that the home court advantage is something that's real, especially here at a mile high where you can't breathe. All right, so episode 85 rolls. Uh, remember, you can always follow uh, myself at uh, McChesney un or Unchained, uh, DNVR Unchained on Twitter, and then at Six Zero Academy. Uh, for myself and, and the gym down there in Centennial. Check out 60strength.com for any and all questions in that regard. Uh, we're pumping them out down there. We had uh, two more guys uh, get offered and commit over the weekend. Uh, Connor Jones, uh, the big tackle down at Palmer Ridge, uh, got Michigan and, let's see, Indiana and uh, no, Colorado hasn't stepped up yet. CSU's offered him, Wyoming's offered him, New Mexico offered him. Uh, so the, there's there's a lot of people interested in that kid down there, and it's great to see. Uh, and then Anthony Ticotti over at Regis committed to New Mexico State the other day, so that's life-changing for him and his family. So congratulations to Anthony. So that brings the total to close to 15 this year of committed Division One Power Fives. Trey Zoom going to Texas A&M. Caden Dudley, Shea Owen Depot, and Cork Kringlin are all going to Boise State. Uh, Braylon Nelson going to Fresno State. Anthony Takad going to New Mexico State, Wilson Clark going to Idaho, and the list goes on and on and on and on and on. And yes, we'd like to get Chase Penry's the only Dungeon Family guy going to CU this year. The University of Colorado lost three kids to the Mountain West out of my gym. So that take that for what you will, but that is the truth. Um, all right, so let's move forward here. Episode 85 rolls. Uh, last week, I'm not much of a gambling man. Ha, that's a lie. I love it. All right, I'm a damn degenerate. If I could get away with it and I had billions of dollars, I would live in Vegas, buy a casino, and just completely immerse myself in the D, being a degenerate gambler. Um, but I try, and, I try and temper myself as much as possible, but when I have a feeling, I run with that feeling. So Saturday, I took Texas A&M straight over Florida, and I had all my kids in the room telling me I was crazy and yada, 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 and bam, that one hit. And then Sunday, yeah, Sunday, I took the uh, the hated Las Vegas Raiders straight over the Chiefs at home, uh, and that one hit. So I had a damn good weekend, to say the least, um, from from that perspective. So so thank you very much uh, that sports uh, betting and gambling is legal. Gotta love it. Uh, so <clears throat> this week, if I'm if I'm you uh, and you're you're uh, you're banging away on draft. DraftKings, which is what we do over here at DNVR, I would definitely look at Pittsburgh over the U straight, Mississippi State uh, over Texas A&M at home. And then I haven't figured out the NFL games yet. I'm very eager to see what the line is on Broncos Patriots. We'll talk about that as we roll. I don't really do the point, the point, uh, the point favorites or whatever. I either pick you win or I lose. And that's the way it's supposed to be, in my opinion. And you make way more money if you hit on that. So you just have to have a pair of cajones and get in there and actually do it, and, and it works. I'm telling you, I was the biggest Raider fan on earth, especially when, uh, when they were throwing the ball over the Kansas City's head. <laughs> that lucky 13, baby. 13 straight wins at home. Bam! That's why I picked them. So let's roll. Um, the NFL Week 5 wrap. Las Vegas wins in Kansas City 40-32. to Now, I felt like the Raiders were going to go show out in this game, and they did. 
Uh, they played a lot of deep coverage and you know, rallied and tackled. Kansas City had a lot of drops and missed opportunities, a lot of penalties against them that that took away uh, first downs and, and chain movers. Mahomes looked a little bit frustrated at times, but to be completely honest with you, Tyron Mathau and Chris Jones and the defensive side of the ball looked way more uh, pissed off at each other than the offensive side of the ball. The offensive side of the ball, you score 32 points, you should win the football game. Um Steve Spagnuolo is a good defensive coordinator, but John Gruden's a better offensive mind. And I'm telling you, man, the AFC West, even though the Chargers lost again last night, this division is so deep and so fast. And this just is another example of that. So the Raiders go to Kansas City and get a massive win. Um, And this is a wake-up call for Kansas City, but this is also a wake-up call for everybody here in the Mile High City. For everybody in L.A. that's a Charger fan, the Raiders are the real deal. Like, they are not screwing around. And they got major speed, and their offensive line is legit. Trent Brown, their right tackle, was back, and you could tell. Uh, Josh Jacobs is a legit pounder. He can definitely go go uh, move the sticks, and, and that's why they got him. And I think Carr getting as much crap as he gets is just lunacy. Uh, that guy went three touchdowns, one pick, and he's got 11 touchdowns and only one interception on the entire year. So he's playing great football for John Gruden. Um, Mahomes is still the GOAT. No one's disputing that. But at some point, the rest of that team has got to like try and play at his level rather than always sitting back and going, well, shit, Patrick will help us. Patrick will dig us out of this hole. We can play terrible at the beginning of the game because Mahomes will let, will help us come back and fix it. I watched the Denver Broncos operate that like that with the great John Elway for years and years and years and years. And Mahomes got his ring when he was young. But at the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if leaning on Mahomes routinely moving forward ends up biting the Chiefs in the ass as they move forward. All right, so next – uh, we'll stay in the AFC West and wrap up the division. New Orleans beats the Chargers last night on Monday Night Football. Um, Breeze was was held to a very low completion percentage from a yards per, per catch perspective. But again, his percentage of completions were through the roof, and he went for over like 350 yards passing. It was very efficient. I don't really care if you have to move the sticks with the short passing game. That's what he did. Uh, Kamara dropped a couple balls, but he was outstanding in the long run. Uh, 28 Murray was awesome. He's a, he's their down downhill north and south runner. That offensive line they keep investing draft capital in it, and it keeps paying off for them. Um, I don't know how long New Orleans is going to be able to fall behind uh, and just come back. They did it against Detroit last week. They did it again this week against the Chargers. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I don't understand how long the Chargers are going to take uh, to figure out that when they get the lead, maybe they need to get aggressive and stop sitting back on their heels and waiting for teams to lose to them because it's bit them in the ass back to back weeks playing against two of the best quarterbacks that have ever played. Uh, it's very concerning to me uh, if I'm a Charger fan and, and Justin Herbert, first of all, that kid is legit. He can play. Uh, they just need to support him and get, and get the offensive line figured out, get Eckler back uh, healthy. But, you can't go up on Tom Brady by 14 to 17 and then go up on Drew Brees by almost 20 um, by 17 points. Last night it was 20 to 3 at one point, And then sit back on your haunches. You need to go score 40 at that point. So hopefully, or maybe not hopefully, um, the Chargers have figured that out. But I think Herbert is legit. So Drew Locke gets healthy and gets back into this division. And if you've got four really, really good gunslinging quarterbacks that can all, if they all stay healthy, and really that's the key here, um, <clears throat> that could be very interesting moving forward with Carr being the elder statements, and he's not even close to 30 yet. 
All right, so <clears throat> moving forward, the Browns and the Colts, and I'll just keep talking about the turds until they give me a reason not to talk about them, but they win 32-23. Uh, the Colts and their number one defense uh, we're, we're exposed to a point the Browns did a really, really good job of, of picking up what the Colts were allowing them to. In, every time the Indianapolis went heavy zone, the Colts stopped and, and sat, in the, sat in the bubbles of the coverage and completed first downs and moved the sticks. Every time they went man, they started running crossing routes and making them chase them across the field. And not very many people are going to catch Landry and, and Beckham. And the more that they double-teamed those two, the more Austin Hooper got involved. Um, I think that they're very deep. And, and they've got a lot of potential in Cleveland to be great. Miles Garrett is that dude. That guy is playing out of his mind right now, almost unblockable off the edge. Uh, Olivier, Olivier Vernon, their other defensive end, who plays a lot of middle linebacker form too, um, very versatile player, was, was very, very active yesterday off the edge as well. And I think they just have the ability to kind of – if you need to score 50, they'll go score 50. If they need to, to put the clamps down and, and play a ball control game like they did yesterday, they can put the clamps down and play a ball control game like they did yesterday. So Baker Mayfield, you know, last year when I was watching all those progressive commercials, which I hated last year, but now he's 4-1 and one and figured it out, and I think they're kind of hilarious, to be completely honest with you. Uh, <laughs> the, the book club one is pretty funny. I thought that one's hilarious. Uh, but the one where he's standing at the gate and with all the groceries and he's talking about his fingers, like that happens to me at least once a week where my kids just slam the door in my face and I have to stand there with all the groceries. So pretty funny, not going to lie. Uh, it'll be a lot funnier if they can figure out a way to beat Pittsburgh and beat Baltimore. They've got Pittsburgh this weekend, and Baltimore straight whipped that ass at the beginning of the season. So we'll see who the Browns are. Uh, they took care of a good Colt team who I think will win their division and be in the playoffs. So we'll see. Tennessee might have something to say about that. They play tonight against Buffalo. And I will say this, too. I hope that they do this Monday-Tuesday thing. I'd rather watch Monday-Tuesday night football than Thursday night football, for real. So I, I, I hope they figure this out, because honestly, you could have a football game damn near every night uh, in the NFL season, and I don't know why they wouldn't want to do that. It's just more money for them. And you know one thing about the NFL, they love that money, baby. Um, okay, next. Seahawks beat Minnesota uh, 27-26, last, last drive of the game. Russell Wilson betting against that man is not conducive towards putting money in your pocket. That's for damn sure. Um, he's my pick for the NFL MVP right now. He's playing out of his mind. He's covering up a lot of holes defensively. Jamal Adams isn't even on the field. They've got a bunch of no-names defensively, and they're balling. Uh, K.J. Wright played his ass off the other night. Remember, he he was the Super Bowl MVP when, when uh, the Seahawks mopped up the Broncos in New York. Um, and, and look, they just keep building around Hamler and, and K.J. Wright, and they've got some young defensive ends that can get after the quarterback, but their secondary is god-awful. So they got to figure that out. Minnesota is Jacqueline High, man. They, uh, they, they seem like they're in every game, but they find a way to just screw it up consistently, and that might just be Kirk Cousins. I'm not really sure. Um, but in that division with the, with the Bears and the Packers taking off the way they are, and, and now Minnesota sitting at 1-4, and four, it's not too good. I don't know if I would be firing Mike Zimmer uh, over it, but I, somebody's head's going to roll. That's for damn sure. They got to figure out how they can go from, you know, trips to the playoffs consistently to one and four, and and looking like like they needed the preseason. And you know, we'll talk about that on another day. But hopefully, this eliminates a lot of the preseason moving forward with the way we're seeing the points scored. And the only thing I would say is the injuries, which we're going to discuss here in a minute. 
have gone through the roof, and, uh, and, and that is what it is. So Seattle wins 27-26, and lastly, uh, the Cowboys beat the Giants 37-34, and the only reason I'm bringing up the, the Cowboys is simply because of Dak's injury. Now, that exact injury happened to me in college where my foot was pointing the other way, and it, I've had seven now reconstructive, like, microfracture ankle surgeries with multiple plates and screws in my left leg. And that's exactly what Dak had to him, had happened to him the other night. I guarantee you they put multiple plates and screws in his leg, probably a bar to straighten it back out. And that is uh, it's terrible. It's awful. I feel for the kid. I really do. But, but, and I don't mean to sound like an asshole when I say this. It's just the truth. Bro, Dak, you turned down $35 million a season, dude. Like, how much money do you really need to live? It's, what, $500,000 less than Watson? If you would have taken that money, you know how much better you would feel right now laying in the bed popping Percocets on on Vicodin Island? I mean, you'd feel like Superman. Like, hey, I I bet on myself and I got $35 million out of it. Instead of I bet on myself and all I did was sign a franchise tag. For, what, another 40 next year? I just... I don't, I don't understand how $35 million a season isn't enough. And the, the excuse of, well, we want to get as much as we can so the next guy can get as much as he can is the most played out lamest excuse I've ever heard in my life. Come on, dude. You're doing it to get paid. Go get paid. Turning down $35 million is tempting fate, in my opinion. And unfortunately, this kind of shit happens when you tempt fate and you play in the National Football League, which everybody remember means not for long. So, Dak, you were the starting quarterback for the Cowboys, not for long. And now you're, you're the hurt starting quarterback for the Cowboys. And know this, know this, Andy Dalton is just good enough for Dallas to go 3-13, and 4-12. and 12. And if Trevor Lawrence is sitting there at the top of that draft, you're gone, Dak. It just gives Dallas an, an, a younger option where they can spend money in other places and they don't have to spend it on you anymore. And they could they could franchise tag him again next year, which is just unbelievable to me. So I, I feel for Dak. I want the players to have guaranteed contracts, although I doubt it ever happens. Uh, there's too many dudes on the team. Um, there's got to be a way and some stipulations and, and some contract negotiating that could go on where guys could get more guaranteed money. I know it's happening more these days, but it's not happening enough. Um, I hate that Jerry Jones kind of looks smart right here with not giving him the huge deal, although $35 million a year is massive. Um, I hate that he looks smart because I think that guy's just a total smug SOB, to say the least. I'm not a huge Jerry Jones fan. I think with as much as money as that guy has, he could do a lot more for not only his community, but the entire NFL community, and he doesn't do it. Um, I know Allie loves Jerry Jones, let me tell you, being an Eagle fan. Um, so I, I'm very I, – I hope that Dak comes back healthy from this, but but as a quarterback, when you hurt your lower body and there's people falling into your legs constantly, that's something that's going to be on his mind forever. So – Get healthy, Dak, but, bro, you can't turn down $35 million at five, six years and tempt fate like this and then expect stuff to just go well because you want it to. I mean, you got a huge target on you, and the Giants wanted to kill you guys, and they may have. They may have killed the season. One never knows. All right, moving forward here, getting straight into your Denver Broncos before I give you my unchained rant at the end of the show, and you don't want to miss that. Um, the Denver Broncos, all right, I think that the – Entire situation that's gone on here with the Broncos and moving the game to Monday night and then moving it to the 18th is like a, a blessing in disguise. 
for the most most banged up, just destroyed football team on the face of the earth. I mean, I, I would have preferred them to just move it to the 18th immediately so they actually had a real bye week. But to be completely honest with you, I, I kind of agree with Vic here, Fangio, and he's like, you know, I kind of like that this happened because it exposes who the whiners and the bitchers are. And I <laughs> dig that. I love it. I love, a, I love when people are, are forced into a very uncomfortable situation that they have to deal with because it really shows me who they are and who they aren't. Um, now, I also think he's talking about a lot of guys in the NFL when he says that, not necessarily just his. Um, it's kind of funny that he said it in the afternoon the other day after his guys came out on social media and bitched and moaned about, oh, we had to practice all week, blah, blah, blah. Now, look, as a player, I'd probably be kind of perturbed about it, too. Uh, we want a bye week. And it says in the CBA, it stipulates that we get four or five days off or whatever the stipulation is. That's great. They didn't even know this was going to happen. This is one of those we have to be flexible during COVID things. And to be honest, if this gets Drew Locke back on the field, well, it also gets Cam Newton back on the field. If this gets Phil Lindsay back on the field, it also gets Stephon Gilmore back on the field. So it, it's, it's good on both sides, and that's what we want. I don't want to beat New England with Brian Hoyer on the field. I want to go smash New England with Cam Newton on the field. Cam Newton doesn't like playing the Broncos. Cam Newton hates playing the fucking Broncos. The Broncos whip Cam Newton's ass all the time. So the, the helmet hasn't changed. His has. So it's, I think that this is a good thing, honestly, and it allows Denver to get healthy. It pushes them. It makes them uncomfortable. Be comfortable being uncomfortable. I guarantee you that's what they're telling everybody in New England right now. Um, this, I'm seeing a lot of like negativity and anger and malice towards people who have COVID in the NFL. And like, it, like somebody went out and did this on purpose. Like they're sitting around, you know, oh, you have COVID? Come over here and give, give us a kiss. I mean, it just, there's, they're not doing that. Guys aren't trying to get sick. So, like saying that Tennessee should forfeit their games or New England should forfeit their games. I don't see how that's even feasible. I mean, that's ridiculous. How about we just fix the problem and move forward? At least they're playing. At least they, they, weren't, they weren't sitting around reacting to the worst-case scenario and just canceling everything like a bunch of college football programs did just to realize they were wrong and get back in late. And the NFL is, is trying to do this correctly, and I kind of admire that, to be completely honest with you. Um, that said, if Drew Locke's healthy, is this really the team that you want to feed him to right off the bat? Because New England's notorious for having everyone believe that they can just, that they're not as good as they are, if that makes sense. They don't have any real big names on defense other than Gilmore and McCourty. But up front, they've got a bunch of guys that fit the system and do a really good job doing it. Chase Winovich is their best pass rusher. He's a third-round draft pick. He wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily look at him and go, wow, look at that just physical specimen at pass rusher. But they fit Belichick's system, and they fit the system that they're running and how they run it, and they get effort and intensity, and everybody is doing their job. The Chris Simon kid is a great player in that system. He couldn't play a lick when he was in Houston. That's why he's not there anymore. So – I, I'm of the mindset that if you're going to bring Drew Locke back, maybe it's better to do it in a week rather than just getting him back for New England. But if he's really our guy moving forward, he should be begging Coach Vic to go play. Like He should be beating on his door. Hey, 
I need to play this week. I'm healthy. Let's go. I don't want to sit back and watch Rippin play again. He's our backup. That's great. High five. Great win on the road in New York. By the way, go check out all the Turning Point stuff from last week. It's on the DNVR uh, app. It's at DNVR.com. It's on my Twitter page, at 60Academy, and at DNVR Unchained. Uh, Allie does an unbelievably good job with that series, so go check it out. The Turning Point tries to bring you uh, some of the positives from last week's or I guess two weeks ago now, Thursday night, beat down of the Jets at MetLife. So go check that out. It's a turning point on dnvr.com. Uh, but back to what I was saying, I think it'd be, it, it's, this is almost like one of those opportunities to really gauge on who you have mentally. If he's sitting back and just like, oh, I'm going to just wait till I'm ready, instead of pushing the narrative like, hey, I'm ready, let's go, I want to play. That's the guy I'm looking for. And I think that's what John's looking for too, and Coach Vic. And, and, Yes, the top of the AFC West is good, and I don't see three teams getting in from the AFC West. The Broncos need to focus on 1-0 every week from now on. They need to focus on whatever, whatever they can do individually to get better on a week-in and week-out, day-in and day-out, play-by-play basis. And I know it sounds cliche, but they have to do it this way. They have to. Losing on the road in New England, there's no shame in that. And you know, obviously, you don't want to lose, but there's no shame in it. I don't think the Broncos are going to win this weekend. I'm taking the Patriots, and I hate that. I played for the Jets, Dolphins, and Broncos. You're not going to find three fan bases that hate the Patriots more than those three, other than Buffalo, maybe. So, I, the ability to build on this weekend and go play good football and leave something on the film that you can be proud of. No one thought that the the Raiders were going to walk into Kansas City and get a W, except for the big guy over here. Everybody should have listened to me on that one. But I, I don't think Denver walks into New England and wins, but they can walk into New England and show out and perform well. It's not like New England's world beaters. They're, they're dealing with a ton of adversity, just like the Broncos are. They had to play behind... Neuer, and to be completely honest with you, that defense kept them in the game for a long time. If they could catch and they'd have two picks, they probably were up at halftime. So when you're talking about New England, Kansas City. So the the Broncos have a massive opportunity right here to show themselves more importantly than showing anybody else or the NFL or ESPN or us or anyone. Show yourself that you can build week by week. So... After you get done with New England, the the rest of the schedule lines up in a way where that game, Kansas City, right before the bye week, Kansas City is actually preparing for that as if they could lose instead of preparing for it like it's just another game for them. Denver and Kansas City have had their ups and downs, and it's been a long time since Denver had the upper hand in that. And the only way that you can show them – that you're not screwing around, is to go out and play well against teams like the Patriots. Put it on tape so they're like, okay, this isn't last year's Broncos or the year before. We've got to get prepared for these people. And if we don't, the same thing that happened to us against the Raiders is going to happen to us again against the Broncos. So the Broncos, I think they have all the opportunity in the world, and I, I kind of dig the fact that they've had to to uh, deal with the, the COVID stuff and, and all the, you know, cancellations and you're playing Monday, you're playing Sunday, you're not playing. Yeah, do I wish they had a better bye week out of it? Sure. But retrospectively, I could I could give a shit. I mean, they, they've had some time off. They had the weekend off. They're going to have plenty of time off. It's not like it's not like they're, they can't acclimate. They're a bunch of young professional athletes. I'm sure they'll do just fine. Okay, so 
You're talking about getting Phil Lindsay back for the bye, Drew Locke back for the bye. But remember, New England also gets Cam and Stephon Gilmore, and they get their guys back too. So this is a great litmus test on where the Broncos are, uh, not only not only from a play perspective, but from a leadership and maturity perspective too. You'll see, with no fans there even, you'll see the way uh, Drew Locke prepares and gets ready for this, or Rippon, or Lindsay, so on and so forth. So it's a lot of young cats on offense. Um, that have a very, very big test in uh, Bilicek and his defense, and then a lot of young cats on defense who have a huge test with McDaniels and his offense and the multiple formations and personnel groupings they're going to throw at you, not only from 11-on-11 football getting ready for Cam Newton, but then 10-on-11 football getting ready for Neuer or Stidham. Uh, when, they, when they hand the ball off, they're useless. They can't run the football. So Cam Newton forces you to get ready for a totally different offense. And that's one thing that I'm very eager to see is how Vic Fangio and the defensive and the defensive staff handles getting ready for an 11 on 11 heavy run play action with Cam Newton, and then getting ready for 10 on 11 essentially with Hoyer and Stidham and the three wide multiple multiple uh, uh, motion patterns out of the slot and the tight end positions, and then just as much play action but in a different way. So I'm very eager to see how that. Uh, materializes and and how Denver gets ready for uh, for that moving into New England. <clears throat> so they play Sunday, uh, the 18th. Uh, I do think New England wins that football game, but I, I would not be uh, surprised at all if Denver shows up uh, the right way and Drew Locke plays and, and they, they really play well. And I know there's no such thing as moral victories, but you go to New England and play really well, and you put good stuff on tape for the rest of the NFL to be aware of, and and that's about as moral as it gets, in my opinion. So, <clears throat> to wrap it up here, no guests this week, as, as uh, we've had to acclimate here as well on McChesney Unchained. Remember, you can always follow us at Six Zero Academy on Twitter and Instagram, and then at DNVR Unchained on Twitter for the show. Uh, make sure you follow uh, DNVR at DNVR underscore sports, and then get your ass down here to the DNVR bar and studio uh, and support. You know, there's a game on tonight. The beer's flowing and the bar's open. So get your ass down here and watch the games and and support uh, Mile High uh, Colorado Small Business. So that that's the only the only thing I got to say about that. DNVR is is doing it the right way. All right. So <clears throat> the Unchained rant goes as follows. Guaranteed money in the National Football League is something that has to happen for a percentage of the, of the players. Yes, it's unreasonable to think that an 85 or 90 man roster, everybody should be guaranteed. It's unreasonable because a lot of those guys aren't going to be on the roster. But myself, I'll use myself as an example. I was a bottom of the roster guy my entire career, but I have my full pension. I'm fully vested, so I have all, my, all the benefits that you can get I have because I played four years and four games. Once you get to the vest, whether they change it and it's three years or four years, four games, whatever it is, every penny that you sign for after that point should be guaranteed. Whether you're a bottom of the roster guy playing for league minimum and you play it for 12 years, like, like a Matt Chatham, who was our guest last week, leading up to Broncos, Patriots, it didn't happen. You know, Matt was an undrafted free agent. He was out of a, a smaller Division II school. He played for a long time in the National Football League. And he never had a guaranteed contract. He was always on the bubble. So <clears throat> there should be some sign of security for the guy at that point. 
And then when you're looking at the more the more superstar type players that are going to be going to be packing, you know, big contracts into the bank, i.e. Dak Prescott, Von Miller, guys like that, they have to be taken care of. It's not as if the NFL can't do it. They make so much damn money, it's almost disgusting. They're tax exempt. They own a day of the week, maybe two if you really want to think about it. They own Sunday and Monday. They're about to own Thursday, the longer they do it. The coaches make guaranteed money, but the players, this insecurity that the players have to constantly live with, or the, we'll use Connor McGovern as an example. Connor signs a three-year, $30 million contract with the Jets. All right, another guy out of 6-0 signing big money. Ryan Jensen signed $54 million. Billy Turner signed $30 million. Mike Pinnell signed $20 million. Ben Garland signed four, uh, you know, over $10 million contracts. So that's great. It looks good on paper. But, but, if Adam Gase gets fired, when Adam Gase gets fired, if it has not happened already, and they want to save money on cap, they can get rid of McGovern next year and save a ton of that money that he signed for when he should absolutely be getting every penny he signed for. So the, the National Football League, at some point, at some point, they've got to stop with the hypocrisy of, you know, it's violent and it's brutal and that is what it is and we care about our guys. The only way you can show me you care about me in this game is to pay me. It's the same as a, a media job. If, if, you're, if, if you're at ESPN or Fox... And, and vice versa, the other one wants you, well, you're not going to make a lateral move. You're not going to take less. No, if you want me, pay me. That's the way it works. That's how you show me you care. And in the National Football League, where that's the only power, you know, power four sport, I'll say, baseball's guaranteed, hockey's guaranteed, basketball damn sure is guaranteed, the NFL is not. It's not I mean, it's, it's, it's so ridiculous to me at this point and especially in a year like this, where not only do you have the risk of massive injury, because that's what football is, catastrophic injury, but you have the risk of COVID and getting, getting a disease that affects everyone differently. It could kill you or do nothing. One never knows. When I had West Nile virus, when I was a rookie with the, with the Rams, I got cut in the hospital by letter. The day before, on speakerphone with my agent, Tom Mills, the great Tom Mills, in the, in the hospital room up in Boulder, where I'm in seizure and freaking out and like almost on life support because I have West Nile virus. I hear Charlie Army, the GM, say, we're going to put him on PUP and get him healthy. We care. The next day, FedEx letter, no response. You're cut for failure to report. So if one or two people in the entire league had COVID, they would just cut them for failure to report. They don't really care. That You have to show people you care with money. Ron Rivera and being able to, to go through his cancer treatments with the, with the Washington football team is because the coaches have guaranteed contracts and great health care. After five years of, the NFL, of being out of the NFL with a five-level back fusion and eight reconstructions on my left ankle and three on my right and multiple elbow surgeries and my shin and multiple concussions and my shoulder needs to be replaced and my neck needs to be operated on, they cut your health insurance. So <clears throat> I'm sympathetic to Dak Prescott breaking his leg. I am. I'm very, very, very angry almost with the players 
because they just had the opportunity to not get punked by the owners, and they did again. They didn't make the owners guarantee their money. They didn't change the structure uh, significantly for post-career and how to take care of guys. You should have lifetime health care if you play in the National Football League and you're vested, period. And I understand that no one else has that really in the world, but no one else is playing in the NFL either. This is a specific problem for a specific group of people that can be fixed uh, without hurting anyone else. It's not like the owners can't do it. They have deep, deep, deep pockets. Everybody else gets full health care and full coverage and full care, but the players. And here's that this is my problem from A to B, from A to Z, from one to a hundred. This the hypocrisy of this knows no bounds. Jerry Jones, for him to sit there and be like, oh, we care about Dak and this is terrible, and yada, 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 yada. Bro, you don't care. You don't give a shit. You don't it's it's all business. If anything, he's sitting back and going, "Ah, oh, I'm so glad this kid didn't sign the $35 million contract we gave him because we wouldn't guarantee it all." This is why they wouldn't guarantee it all. And and Jerry Jones looks right because of the corrupt ass system that they're under. It's unbelievable to me that they still they still don't have guaranteed money in the National Football League. Craziness. Absolute craziness. And they're not going to get it for years to come. God knows when the next CBA is. But I, it, that's going to be at the top of the docket. And the, the and once the one, upper 1% is taken care of, very similar to the United States, unfortunately, once the upper 1% is taken care of, they'll just lie to the other 99% to get them to sign. <laughs> Guys don't read the contract or take it seriously. And then they just move forward. And oh, you mean we don't get guaranteed money in health insurance? They're like, no, dummy, you have to actually read the contract and read the stipulations in the CBA when they, send it, when they send it to you. I read it more than the guys in the gym that I work with that are in the league, and I don't even get a vote anymore. No one cares what I think. I'm, I'm retired. But the active players that I work with, they don't take the time to just really dive into what it means. It's like they're they're – it's too much of a bother for them to read a couple paragraphs that have to do with their financial future and the ability to get every penny they are supposed to earn or half. Kind of fired up about this, so we'll see. <clears throat> Tuesday night football this evening is the Bills and the Titans, both undefeated teams, unless somebody tests positive for COVID at lunch this afternoon and they can't play the damn game. So let's knock on wood. Hopefully that doesn't happen. Um, remember to go check out everything at 60 Academy on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, check out everything at 60strength.com uh, for any and all questions about the gym and how we do things. And if you're looking for help out there, we can help you. The bridge is real at 60. Uh, we've got guys crossing it every day. So it's just a matter of getting off your ass and chasing your dreams instead of sleeping through your alarm and hoping. All right? We don't hope and wish. We work. I am Matt McChesney. That is episode 85 of uh, McChesney Unchained coming to you from the bar and studio down here at DNVR off of Colfax. Thank you very much to Allie for coming in and busting her ass on this again today. Uh, next week, we will have the turning point back for you. Go check out the turning point at DNVR.com. Uh, we've got four weeks of, of good film up and trying to, to give you a little bit of background on what the Denver Broncos are doing. I hope the Broncos beat the Patriots, although I don't see it happening. Make sure that uh, you go and support your Denver Broncos this weekend as they go to New England, and we will be back next Tuesday to talk about all things Mile High, your Denver Broncos, 
talk about the Colorado Buffaloes a little bit and move into the uh, second half of October. I am Matt McChesney. That is episode 85. Thanks, folks.